Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you doing this beautiful day? I'm hanging in there. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, all things considering. You know, happy and healthy, and uh, yeah, I just look around and have a roof over my head and a happy family. So what more do we need right now, you know? Not much. <laughs> I hear you. Well, uh, you know, we're, we're stuck at home, um, which kind of led us to talk about this next topic. Uh, you know, stuck at home. Why not talk about stuck pipe? What do you think? I see what you did there. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a dad joke. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. That joke only works when you're under quarantine. Yeah. I would have never thought yeah. of that. But uh, nonetheless, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because I didn't, you know, it's, it's taken a while for us to get it. I think we're 50, almost 60 episodes deep and now we're talking about this. But, you know, unfortunately, this is uh, something that happens... It's relative, but it, but common enough to where most people that have been involved with drilling operations have experienced this. Uh, yeah, it, it sucks. It costs money, but uh, ultimately, I think it's something we need to chat about. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and it's one of those, that, you know, I know it's come up when we've talked about episode topics repeatedly, and we've sort of kind of danced around it, and how do we want to approach it? Um, and, and I think, you know, one of the things we've we've sort of finally settled on is just the idea we'll... we'll take everybody through some of the fundamentals and then kind of what can you do as a fluids expert um, to make a difference? Cause um, that is important. Uh, you know, there's a lot on the drilling practices side, which we can influence, but not much. Um, and then there's stuff on the drilling fluid side where we can make some recommendations. And so we should. Yeah. And if you're a drilling fluid engineer or anyone that's involved with drilling fluids, there's always finger pointing. And so that's something that, uh, you know, it, stuck pipe can happen for a number of reasons, but you don't want to be the one that is being blamed. for it. And if you are, at least cover your basis and make sure your mud is in good shape because that's important, just like it is in any circumstance. But uh, Matt, let's go ahead. I mean, for those who may not be familiar with it and if you're not then that's good but either way wh wh how would you describe stuck pipe so i mean it it sounds like i guess it should but it's when you can't move the pipe um now that's nuanced of course maybe it's you can only move the pipe in one direction um maybe you can rotate maybe you can't um and, and i think even you know some of the principles we talk about would apply to things like wireline tools as well it, it may not just be uh your drill string so, um, you know, that's sort of the, the general, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and even that, you know, casing and stick casing too. I mean, and by pipe, I'm assuming you meant drill pipe, but either way, anything that goes past the rotary table, uh, you know, it ultimately is going to be in the hole and there's, there is a chance that it can get stuck at any point in time. I mean, heck I've, I've been in a position where we've been milling through, uh, milling through, uh, uh the BOP or all well, the, uh, temporary abandonment cap or whatever. I don't know exactly piece of machinery, but you know, pretty much getting stuck right, right there. I mean, it, it can happen at any point in time. So it's definitely not, it, it can happen most time while you're drilling or tripping, but it can happen in, uh, in, even inside casing if you've got something going on. But nonetheless, Matt, I think, uh, that explains, you know, what it is. Uh, how does this actually happen? 
Well, you know, one of the most important things when we try and figure out how to get free is to try and figure out how we got stuck. Um, and, and there's generally kind of two schools we break it down into. And, and the first one is just mechanical. Uh, and, and that's, in essence, something is blocking the movement of the pipe. So this could be wellbore collapse. It could be that you had really bad hole cleaning. And um, if you think about dragging the BHA through a bunch of cuttings and, um, you know, the, the collars, you get lower down, there's much less annular space. So there's not a lot of room and cuttings could pack off there um, and get you stuck. Uh, it, it could be the geometry of the well where you have, you know, a, a key seat um, and you, you basically, uh, in a directional section, you carved out a smaller area. And as you go to pull up, the pipe is stretched and it, it hangs up in that spot. Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a number of different ways to get mechanically stuck. Um, and I think even as you mentioned, it could be junk in the hole, right? It, it could be milling out or it, it could be some debris falls down that, uh, you know, isn't necessarily supposed to be there. And it, it uh, packs you off. So, um, mechanical is exactly like it, like it sounds you think of a way that it, it you could get stuck that way by something blocking you off and mm-hmm. that's what it is yeah no that makes sense so uh with regards to mechanical there's there's a few f- different forms um it could happen while you're drilling it could happen while you're making a trip um but is a lot of that due to just the actual geometry of the well or is it is there something that you can kind of key in on more so than others or i mean is that like can you t- describe that a bit bit more or is that i mean from a drilling fluid standpoint what else can you touch on with regards to the mechanic because obviously we you know with with drilling fluids it's more you know chemistry making sure the wellbore is uh you know in good shape but but from a mechanical standpoint does drilling fluids have a part in that or well, I think definitely on the hole cleaning side of things, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think even on the formation, uh, you know, we know that a lot of wellbore instability is related to mud weight. Um, that's true. Um, but, uh, you know, the other side of it is that, uh, there can be, uh, you know, there, there could be, um, for example, you have a reactive clay, you could inhibit that and, and it may not be even the swelling clay that could pack you off. It could be that, that, um, you have an unconsolidated formation beneath that washes out and maybe you could have done something to stabilize it with some sealing materials. Um, but if it, you know, if that unconsolidated material, maybe it doesn't pack off on you, but it destabilizes the formation above it and that falls in. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are some things, uh, you can do, um, particularly when talking about well-born stability, I would say, um, you know, for example, you know, if we're talking about directional, you know, a key seat or something like that, that's obviously just a problem. Um, that's, there's not much we can do there, but you know, on the hole cleaning side of things, I think it's even, yes, we do everything we can to have good hole cleaning, but if we don't think we're getting good hole cleaning, I think it's really important to let somebody know as soon as humanly possible. Right. Um, yeah, that's a big deal. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, I mean, a lot of that's out of our control, but like you said, hole cleaning is certainly important looking at our hole cleaning properties. Um, you know, without getting into details and in that we've touched on rheology and all sorts of things, but, uh, you know, following the mud program, making sure you've got the right properties for the well, um, you know, and, and, you know, making sure we follow those, that's extremely important. Uh, 
you know, so there's mechanical, uh, there's a few other causes too. Why don't you touch on differential staking? Cause that seems to be one, especially now, you know, drilling unconventionals or drilling curves and laterals. And that's certainly something, I mean, you can happen in a vertical, but, but differential staking, you know, is something that's certainly possible. Can you touch on that and then what that means? So differential sticking is, is that you've got a differential pressure that's actually holding the pipe against the formation. And in a lot of these unconventional formations, it's, I think one of the reasons it's so common is uh, what we do see is that we're drilling through, you know, for example, Cherry and Brushy Canyon out in the Permian, right? They're, those used to be prolific reservoirs that, you know, people drilled vertical wells and produced on. Um, and you drill through them and they're depleted. And then you, uh, you have this mud weight that's to keep the hole open, do some other things. And uh, so you have this high overbalance pressure and that pipe sticking against that permeable formation, um, you've got some leak off there. That, and so if you don't have a good tight filter cake, um, you basically turn your pipe into part of the filter cake. Um, and once it's on there, you've got a lot of surface area and there's pretty strong forces and you may not be able to move that pipe. So, um, you know, that's... Differential sticking is predominantly driven by that, but you know your point that you've already mentioned is if the pipe's sitting still for a while, so in in a directional zone, it could be that um, I can't rotate for a while, and the pipe is sitting on the low side of the hole. Um, it it could just be um, you know in that build section, I have a lot more uh, pipe that's likely to sit in the same spot for a while. Um, so it you know that can be related. I've been in environments where we would drill through these really thin sand layers, but we had super high overbalance pressures and you pretty much got stuck as soon as, as if you let the pipe sit for maybe more than 30 seconds, you were going to get stuck and there was no way of getting off after that. Um, you were, you were screwed. Yeah. So, um, you know, differential sticking is, is definitely for real and definitely something we come across. And bear in mind, it could be both. You could get mechanically stuck where you can't move the pipe and then you're sitting there for long enough against one of these zones and now you're differentially stuck too. So um, it could be one, but it could be both. Yeah, no, there's there's always a number of different factors. Um, with regards to differential sticking, is there anything, any immediate course of action? Like let's say that you, 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 know, you get differentially stuck or it's getting tight and they've you know they've pulled on it they can't go up or down i mean is there anything like just kind of immediate recommendation from a drilling fluid standpoint that we can recommend to to kind of help hopefully pop free well maybe um you know and, and it comes down to your particular circumstances and i think when we talk about treatment we'll go into it more but you can look at things like the mud weight. I, th- I think any good mud engineer, if, the, if there's, if you're seeing signs of differential sticking, you're going to want to tighten up the fluid loss right away, right? You're going yeah. to, you're going to change the mud properties, but we also know once you're stuck, um, a thinner filter cake and tighter fluid loss isn't going to save you. It's too late. Sure. Um, so I think it's, I mean, it's that natural instinct of, Oh, what if, you know, what if we are able to pop free and then, uh, you know, I don't want this to happen again. I want to be ready for that. Um, but there is there is the other side of it of you know yeah if you could lower the mud weight for example um, perhaps reduce that overbalance uh, maybe that can help until you can get the mud in shape there's obviously significant risks with that uh, yes not only risk of wellbore collapse but do you even have a window to uh, to lower your mud weight or you know pump some lighter fluid so 
there's just, um, for the most part, once you're getting stuck, a lot of it, or, or once you're stuck, a lot of it centers around what are you going to do to get free? Um, and, and most of it is I can't, I can't change the mud properties. I've got to, you know, try and break down the mud. Right. Right. No. And then, like you said, I mean, when you're in that position, anytime you start talking about fluid density, that, that really has to be driven by, uh, you know, like not necessarily one person, but it has to be a collective, uh, decision and mainly comes from the operator. I mean, we don't, that's something that, you know, we, we always want to be cautious of with regards to density, but, um, the, you know, well control is the, the utmost important. And so, um, but, but it is an option and, you know, I've been involved with certain operations where, um, you know, that was discussed and the operator gave the green light and did, made a decision on how light to go and, and, and pops free and you kind of adjust your properties and, and look at your drilling practices and everything kind of, you know, look at the whole forest and identify maybe how it happened. And then, uh, you know, and then you don't see it again, but certainly there's, there's some corrective action there, but, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the best way to get unstuck is, uh, actually just not getting stuck in the first place. So <laughs> there's, there's certainly, certainly things you can do as a preventative measure, uh, to, to avoid those. And, you know, talking about uh, kind of before we talked about mechanical and hole cleaning, um, you know, I've seen it time and time again. You know, you get to TD and you're anxious to get out of the hole and maybe you're close to a record well and you just want to circulate and you think the hole's clean. You come out and, you know, the first three or four stands are good and then it starts pulling tight and then you can't pull and then you got to either, either some folks end up just back reaming or they go back to the bottom and do a cleanup cycle and the next thing you know, the hole unloads. And, and so a lot of this is, is it comes down to just, you know, good planning, being patient and, and just doing the right things um, can, can certainly help prevent a lot of stuck pipe incidents. Cause you know, looking back at a lot of the ones that I've been involved with some, yeah, shoot, I was on uh, <laughs> I was on an inland barge and you know, we were, it was just, it was South Louisiana, uh, Weeks Island. So this just South of new Iberia and uh, the wells were taking three, four months to drill, but, Every time we would get to a certain depth, it was nine out of 10 times you'd be drilling away, everything was good, and boom, you'd get stuck. And we were drilling close to salt dome. So a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, side forces and just, you know, geomechanical things going on. And, and those were hard to prevent. I don't know if they ever even mastered how to get through that without getting stuck at least two or three times. But um, besides that, every other in- stuck pipe incident that I've either heard of or, you know, unfortunately been involved with, um, was preventable. Uh, so again, it's, you know, planning and, and making sure you've got your things dialed in following, you know, SOPs and cleanup cycles and all that things, uh, you know, those, those cert- certainly important. Matt, have you ever been involved with a, a lost circular or a, sorry, a stuck pipe incident that you may have been able to prevent or, or there were signs leading up to it? I mean, is that something that's, that you're familiar with or that you've been involved yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think there have been certain ones w- there where we've encountered. Um, I, I mean, I think one of the important things to recognize when you talk about SOPs is is field specific SOPs. Um, you know, operators spend a lot of time and and money putting together standards to minimize risk, and some of that is drilling practices and noting overpull or or some of these things. And as they change at, at certain points in time, and those are really important because they can tr- indicate signs of trouble. Um, but then, you know, there's some sand you drill through or some other, un, you know, unstable formation where you're likely to get stuck. Um, and I remember, um, 
you know, talking to somebody about some work in Louisiana where, uh, they, they just said, you have to drill this field with oil-based mud or you'll get stuck because you can't tighten up water-based mud fluid loss enough. Mm. Um, and of course an operator came back and said, well, we're going to lower costs even more and, and went to water-based mud and, you know, performance wise, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't a shale inhibition thing or anything like that. Um, but, uh, what I found sort of amusing was, you know, asking, well, how's, you know, how's that working out for you? My understanding was that you really need to use oil-based mud. And they said, well, we're, we're actually on our third sidetrack. So, yeah. um, and so I, I think understanding the historicals and the reason is, is really important. I think in the same way, when I was alluding to those stuck pipe incidents, uh, you know, when I was overseas, it was the rig crew had to be dialed in, but everybody knew it was a risk. And so you did the right thing. Uh, you know, I would just be pretty worried about someone that didn't receive the proper training coming into that, trying to go back to their, you know, typical routine from somewhere else and taking for granted how much more risk there is. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it does become, uh, preventable with the right fluid treatments. You know, I think the hard part on the mud side of things though, is somebody says, okay, so what are you going to do to make sure we don't get stuck? And you sort of shrug and you're like, well, um, lower the fluid loss. Um, you know, there's, there's only so much you can do and it's very difficult to prove that you were successful. Um, because it's, you know, imagine what would have happened if we didn't do this. Well, we don't, we don't know, but it seemed like a good practice and a really relatively inexpensive option. Uh, so, um, I, I think going back to your point, like a lot of this stuff, um, we sort of know that we were getting ourselves into trouble. It's when we step away from something or we try and pull a fast one that, that we find ourselves stuck. And what I think is, is even more interesting though, is it happens. And then everyone sort of looks around and asks, well, why, why are we stuck? Do you think we're differentially or mechanically stuck? And it's kind of, well, you, you stepped away from the playbook. I don't, I don't know if there's that much of a, a debate. Um, and then there's other times where it happens and it just catches you, you know, blindsides you. And you're like, we're, we're not even sure if we're differentially or mechanically struck, stuck right now. We just, we're not sure, you know? Yeah, no, so. that's a great, that that's, and that kind of leads me to my next point. And if anyone uh, that's listening right now heard my daughter screaming her face off, that happens here in the Gautier residence. So I apologize for that. Uh, but anyway, um, diagnosis. So let's say, you know, God forbid we're drilling away, we get stuck. Okay. It happens. Uh, and you know, what are some of the things that we can look for or look at right before that incident? Is there any type of like sort of checklist that you can go through, uh, just to kind of get an, get an idea of, uh, you know, maybe what the cause was. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think a, a lot of it, you can go back to, um, you know, it's a combination of, of getting all the information together, but you know, a lot. Okay. So if I, like you mentioned, if I'm pulling out of the hole and I start seeing some over pull and then I, I get stuck, well, we have a pretty good idea. We're mechanically stuck. It's pretty, pretty good chance we dragged something in. So, you know, if I was pulling out of the hole and I got hung up, um, you, you know, there's a good chance I picked up some material and it, it packed me off or, or got me stuck. Um, you know, so what was I doing immediately prior? Uh, and it can be, yes. Is it, you know, was I, you know, was I over torqued? Were there, were there cavings observed earlier or did, did we see some cavings and then maybe the well just kind of gave up on us all of a sudden? Um, you know, what are you seeing at the shakers? And then, you know, can I rotate now? Can I circulate? So if you mm -hmm. can rotate, you're not differentially stuck because the pipe can, 
you know, the pipe can move about its axis. Um, if you can circulate, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not mechanically stuck, but from a pack off perspective, I think there's a good chance that, um, you know, if it, you're not completely packed off, you have, you either have partial circulation or you're going to induce losses. Um, that's definitely noteworthy. And for example, let's say you do start circulating, induce losses, and then guess what? You get differentially stuck below that. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I think, uh, w- pipe movement, weight, um, and flow are all really, really big factors of what was happening just before. Did anything change and what's going on now? Um, and, and most kind of best practices are going to have some version of tracking that or, or ranking that, um, as far as what you could do next. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and again, a lot of this will be driven by, you know, the drillers and stuff like that. But, you know, as, as mud engineers, if this happens, it's good to, it's good to wrap your head around the sort of the mechanism behind what happened. And there's a lot of good resources out there. Um, even little Excel tables that kind of give you a point system and you answer some questions. And, uh, Matt, this is a book that I showed you back in my, back you know, at the office there, old Drillbert Engineering. Uh, something I always kind of ref- referred back to, and uh, there, it's like I said, you know, you kind of go through the checklist. What can you do? This can you do that? Yes, no, yes, no, and then it kind of gives you, a, perhaps this is the mechanism, uh, and and it just a lot. The more people that on location or even in the office that are involved that have a good understanding of potential mechanisms, then you that you can then provide recommendations or suggestions. Because um, I, you know, being on a rig when this happens. Just like anything, when things have out of the norm happen, it can be panic mode. So if you have a resource that you can kind of read through and, and sort of like take your time, go through it, identify, um, you know, it just it kind of helps everyone, uh, you know, calmly approach the situation versus scrambling. And, you know, next thing you know, drillers are throwing pumps on when they shouldn't be or they're pulling up, up into something when they should be, you know, slacking off and, you know, trying to jar down. And there's just a lot of different things going on. And so. Uh, it's just it's good to have a good understanding to as to what's happening. But um, Matt, is there any sort of sort of treatment measures from the mud perspective, um, or just in general that you can think of when these things happen, uh, or that that you know that you've that you've come across? Or I mean, again, we're not we're not directly going to recommend any type of drilling practice. But is there something just in general that you can offer up through your experience that you've seen work or that have been done? Well, I think the treatment, once again, kind of depends on, on where you're at, uh, you know, as far as your situation. And, you know, one thing I'd add is if you could, if you can find out where you're stuck, which there are tools that, you know, can help determine where you're, where you're stuck. Um, you can also run over and get with the mud loggers. What formation is that? Is there a re would that make sense? That kind of thing. Um, but that's, that's sort of the first kind of, part of the conversation. And then, um, you know, the other part is, uh, you know, a really important tool is jars, you know, can I actually rock the string and jar it and and maybe shake free? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, even if you don't have them in the string, if it it gets to the point where, you know, you're going to back off, you can run fishing jars, um, which will get you really close to the stuck point anyways. Um, and so, you know, if you're, if you're pulling out of the hole and you got stuck, you can, you can jar in different directions, jar down. Hopefully it kind of rocks you downwards and then you can circulate and get clear. 
Um, but you know, mechanically when we're talking about a pack off, I mean, I, I feel like there's, there's some of these very generic things like try to establish circulation and you say, well, of course I would love to have circulation. (laughs) Um, but you know, if you do have partial circulation, maybe you can pump some sweeps, maybe there's some, you know, vibrational tools that could help shake things through, um, you know, keep an eye out for cavings and, and whatever comes back. Uh, and then, um, let, uh, we get stuck periodically out in the Delaware in a salt. Uh, and so if it's salt material, which the, the salt out there is, you think of salt, like chunks of, you know, or crystals of salt. It's, it's like a rubbly mess coming across the shakers. It's not what you would think. And I, I think it's just so unstable that it, you know, you drill through it the wrong way or something happens and, and that slushy material will just kind of fall in on you. Um, but guess what? It's, you know, a lot of folks get free by circulating fresh water. Uh, you know, it's saturated, uh, you know, rinse it out and yeah, you're going to have some washout up there and it, it might create some other problems. But right now when we're anxious to get free, it, it's an option. Uh, you know, the other thing is we, drill through some calcium carbonate formations. If we really think we're stuck there, um, I'm fairly reluctant to do this, but I will say we've done it before. We've gotten free. We were, we were logging or we were taking formation samples. It required forever to, I think it took like 30 minutes to get one stuck up against the well bore. It was kind of horrific for the situation. Um, and we spotted uh, what's called an acid precursor which is basically something that with when you mix it with water, it converts to acid. So they pumped it down hole, spotted that, and gave it some time and got free. Now, granted, they were also jarring at the same time, but, um, you know, they're, I guess, you know, we took some credit for maybe helping break down the filter cake and, and free it up that way. Um, and then I hear a lot of folks who will just straight up try and pump acid, uh, you know, that's one thing that I suggest everybody be really, really careful about. Uh, there's a few reasons for that, you know, safety, obviously, um, how are you going to pump it? Who's providing it? How are they going to spot it? What are they doing for corrosion control? And then I've actually heard people say, oh yeah, we pumped acid on, you know, in this oil-based mud application and, uh, we got free. And, uh, the thing is, if you've got an oil wet, uh, filter cake or formation material or, or what have you, uh, you probably need a spacer or something to water wet all that, or the acid is not going to do anything other than create a really nasty incompatible sludge mm. because you've got an aqueous fluid and a non-aqueous fluid mixing together. So um, I, I guess it's, if you're committed to that, do it right and do it safely. Um, and that requires, you know, somebody knowing what they're doing, but it's been done in the middle East where it's all carbonate reservoirs. They do it a lot. They're very comfortable with it. Um, I just say, you know, proceed with caution on that front. Um, so those are, you know, in the pack off world, it, it may be that if the material is soluble, you could do something about it. If you can't shake it or, or do something to disperse it. Um, you know, once again, a lot of this banks on the notion that you have a circulating path. Um, and then on the differential sticking side of things, we've got a few more options. Um, okay. Uh, have you, have you pumped a, a spotting fluid before Justin? Yes, actually, I have. So, um, offshore, we, or I say offshore on an inland barge, we spotted um, a bunch of uh, sack fishing tools. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Um, is that what, is that what you're talking about? 
or I've like, heard of it. Yeah. Or uh, uh, um, pipe free. Like th- those are the ones that I, that come to mind, but sure. I, I, po- I spotted a bunch of those and uh, yeah, like we would mix it up with a bunch of diesel and it would, the, the idea there is, pr- you know, breaking down the filter cake to try and help you basically pop free if is kind of the, the field term. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that that's really my only experience with it. Uh, it was nasty. It cost a lot of money. Um, and it is just, it was a gamble as to whether it was, you know, it worked or not. I think half the time it did half the time it didn't, but yeah, that, that through my experience, it's it, but it's been very limited. Um, the ones, you know, the other times that, uh, any type of issues that I've seen with regards to stock five have been more of a whole cleaning challenge, but, uh, we, you know, fortunately managed to get out of it, but, um, yeah, I know that's pretty typical, but it's again pretty limited experience from from my uh, perspective. Sure. Well, and and so I think you know on the prevention side, we we've already talked about tightening the fluid loss, and there are additives to do that, and um, you know you can even use beyond just regular uh, you know paper on your HPHT. You could run something like a, a PPA or PPT. It's the same tester, but it, it tests up against a disc. It's a much higher overbalanced pressure. In you know extreme wells, I've seen them used. I don't really like them just because uh, it's a lot of equipment. It's sort of a pain, but um, I think in high risk wells, they're they're worth it. Um, you know, but but spotting fluids can be a bunch of different things. So in water based mud, I've definitely seen folks just pump a caustic pill because it oh, tears yeah. up whatever material was in the filter keg, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think once, it, yeah, if you've got acid soluble stuff, then and you know acid soluble you know, spotting acid could, could work here. Um, you know, a lot of the pipe freeing agents, the commercial stuff you see are, are solvents, surfactant blends that are designed to basically dehydrate and crack the cake, basically create some channels, um, so that fluid can pass around the pipe. Um, and you know, the, the irony to me, so some of them say spot for 46 hours and wait. Others say, you know, if it's weighted, which a lot of them say you can weight them up with Bayride or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, wait 24 hours. And I just, I've always had a hard time imagining anybody saying, Hey, you know, we're going to spot this and, and spend 24 hours of rig time just kind of standing around. Um, so I feel like it's always done in combination with some other thing. Like you've got jars and you want a jar on it. Um, so let's pump this too. Well, we're going to do that. Cause I want to, you know, come out with everything possible to do it. Um, the other thing is, uh, because some of this stuff might leak off, remember you've got a filter cake you're breaking down. Uh, normally you leave some in the string and you're pumping, you know, every half hour, maybe a half a barrel or a barrel of this material out of the pipe. So you, you have where you spot over the area where you're stuck and then you're continually kind of pumping out a little bit more. Um, and once again, I assume you're probably jarring and if, you know, the other thing is, as we mentioned about mud weight, if you don't weight this, sometimes we'll go spot these and it's just using diesel or something else as a carrier. And so is it that I reduce the mud weight? Is it because of the spotting agent? Is it both? Um, tough to say, but, uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of folks will take credit whenever they get the chance. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and the only other thing I'll say about some of these spotting agents is, uh, you know, they can be kind of nasty. And so, uh, you know, you need to figure out what you're going to do with the returns. Some of them will straight up say you can incorporate this in the mud. Um, they may have some caution if you're in an environmentally sensitive area that you might want to not want to do that. Um, 
But if you can divert some of it out, it, it may be a good idea if you've got a place to put it. Um, that when this stuff's coming back, you, you, you know, dump it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, on the fluid side of things, there are fluids we can provide. There's always a little bit of a trick to it. Cause it's something you, you know, everybody wants you to have handy. Uh, it, you don't use it that often, hopefully. Um, and you know, you're going to place it, but you're going to do everything else you can that, that, you know, as a, as a mud engineer is totally out of your control um, to try and free that BHA. So I don't know. Those are just things to think about. Yeah, no, most certainly. Well, Matt, I think we've touched on most of it. You know, again, it's one of those where it's unfortunate, but we need to all be knowledgeable as to, you know, why it happens, how to prevent it and what we can do from the drilling fluid standpoint. And, uh, you know, I think we've touched on, on all angles, Matt, is there anything in summer you'd like to kind of highlight before closing up here? I think, I mean, it's like you said, find out why you got stuck. And I mean, not just, I think as a mud engineer, look, a lot of people say, oh, it was a mud fault, you know, moving on. And um, you find out that, oh, you know, rotary, some rotary steerables have very large non-rotating sleeves on them that get stuck all the time. Can we talk about that? Um, you know, there, there's some of those things where you say, okay, um, there's only so much I can do to the fluid and I'm an easy, you know, fall guy, but let's also understand the mechanics of this or, or some of the other factors that could be there because it's going to keep happening and it's an expensive problem. So try to find out why. And then also, you know, there's those established best drilling practices. And then there's also, you know, what you know works for the field. And then even if you do get stuck, what works in the field? Um, and it's best to have that stuff together before anything happens because then you'll waste the least amount of time fixing the problem. So that's what I'd leave everybody with. Excellent. No, I appreciate that. And uh, if anyone out there, again, if they have any suggestions or thoughts or even uh, want to share a story about uh, getting unstuck or uh, just any <clears throat> anything you'd like to add or questions, please hit us up at the Full Line Podcast at aesfluids.com. Or you can hit us up on LinkedIn. Matt and I are quite active on there. Um, and definitely feel free to check out our uh, the AES Fluids LinkedIn page where you release tech tips. Uh, we're certainly focusing on providing those, uh, especially with everyone at home, you know, looking to, looking to gain knowledge. Uh, we're out there trying to provide it for everybody, and uh, hopefully everyone's out there staying safe and enjoying their family time. And Matt, that's about it. Any closing last words before we wrap up? Everybody, just take care and make the most of the quiet because eventually it's going to get busy again. Ah, yes, it is. Looking forward to that. Matt, you have yourself a good day and everyone out there, thanks for everything. You too, Justin. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.